You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. And now, Side B. Even if I lose. Yeah. How long has this album been in the works? It's been in my head since 2015. So that's um, two and a half, three years? About two, yeah, two and a half. Well, technically, yeah, two and a half years. Um, we officially started working on it. Uh, it's weird because even just the first record is a beat that you've, you gave me years ago. Yeah, I think the first version of that, and we'll talk about, I, well, we could talk about it now, but I mean, that the first version of that is like three plus years old. Yep. I'm actually pulling it up right now. It is. You had a yeah. crazy verse on that. July 21st, 2014. Oh, wow. It's even earlier than I thought. You're, you, I remember that, that, that original verse was. Yeah. You felt the way when I was like, I'm going to write it over. You're like, are you sure? I was like, yep. <laughs> you had a line on there. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I might still use that though. Okay. I still use it. Okay. This this won't be the last aggressive beat that you make. So <laughs> I think we're okay. I think we're okay. So yeah, two and two and a half years. I think we've officially started working on it um, because I I was people. It's weird. Like people have been asking for Kairos two. Kairos two is a joke, but Kairos. T- it's mostly my fault. Yeah, I mean, but it it likely will happen. And I was wondering when I decided to sign with Elect. I wanted. I was wondering if I was going to give them Kairos two, or if I was going to give them something different. Mm. And so it was between: do I give them Kairos two, or do I give them even if I lose? And I went with giving them something new, so that you know, whenever Kairos two comes out, that's you know what what exactly what I wanted to be. Not to say that Elect had a, a say in my creative process because they didn't. Um, but I just I, I want to I want to handle that in a different way. So so we start working on this album shoot. End of 2016, something like that, maybe? I'm not and sure the, about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, middle to end of 2016. Yeah. Um, and, and then it went into it. It, it turned up in, in February because of the, the situation with my job that I didn't really talk to anybody about. Um, where I was kind of fake out of work for like two weeks, two and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, and so that gave me time to uh, write that and a good chunk of 40 days. So a lot of the writing got done within those three weeks. And that's 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 last February. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Just to be clear, y'all. Yeah, that was a year ago, twenty seventeen. Yep, I was yeah writing stuff, just finding beats on YouTube, and because the frustration was is that I didn't know what I wanted the album to sound like musically. Hmm. I didn't know what direction I wanted to go in, and um, we'll get to the producers on the project. But um, I was basically the way that I work. I work. I'm so used to just working on my own hmm. that I didn't, um, you know, I always have, I, if I need to write, I have Doc Beats in the stash. I have Sandman Beats in the stash. I have beats from producers that I can always just go to and just write and nothing was hitting the way I wanted it to sound. And so I was literally taking beats off of YouTube. I want my production to sound like this. And I would type up blank artist type beat and I would go through those. I'd be up till three, four in the morning going through those beats and I would find a beat that I liked and I would write records to that beat. And then as the relationships began forming, forming with the producers who worked on the album, um, they were able to craft some things that I wanted and some things that I didn't know that I, that were necessary to the album until, you know, they got fleshed out. So you, you, uh, you mentioned 
uh, you mentioned it on the show before, but you mentioned uh, in this episode that you, so you you know gave, giving this album to Elect. So you signed for the first time with a label. Yeah. And what was the timeline for that again? You did that. Um, I officially signed with Elect summer summer twenty sixteen. Right, right, right. And we and we announced it September twenty sixteen because that's when um, Snooze Button Four came out. Oh right, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so the original plan was to put out a record. I had a record with uh, T. Wilder, one of the producers who we will be talking about extensively shortly. Um, he and I have a record that was going to be called Election Day, and we were going oh, to put yeah. it out. We were going to put it out the day of the presidential election. I'm glad I didn't. Um, <laughs> but the record is the record is dope, and I think he's going to do something with it. For he has a project coming out, um, and I think I'm on three songs on that project. I'm on quite a few. Um, and then we were going to put that out in September and the album was going to come out. Um, first it was going to come out right before the summer and then it was going to come out around my birthday in October and then it was going to come out around Thanksgiving. Then it was going to come out around Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> then it was going to come out in January and now we're here at the end of February. So, but that was me pushing. Like that was me like really on the label. Like, yo, this needs to come out on this date and you know, things, there was all there was always something like it wasn't it wasn't done still waiting on something i didn't like the way something sounded i wanted to you know change something or you know whatever or i got picky you know yeah you you pushed back like your pushback was like a day yeah yours wasn't bad you weren't all that involved in the process of this i know yeah unlike unlike kairos where i was like i killed myself and that's exactly why I wanted it. To, I didn't. I didn't want to overthink this album. I right. I listened to Kairos for the first time when I finished. Even if I lose at least the recording of it, and I had all the roughs done, and I was maybe still waiting on um, some additional production or features or whatever. I went back and listened to Kairos, and it just it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I will never say anything um, disparaging about that project. But to, I can hear us overthinking and thinking right. a lot about this album, about that album. And I wanted that to be the complete opposite. That's why it's nine tracks. That's why it's 30 minutes. Like all that was intentional to not be what Kairos was because the content on this album is so heavy. I didn't want to add anything else to it. I feel like on Kairos, the content was heavy and there was a theme and there was 17 tracks. It was just a lot. For people to take in, I wanted to make this as easy as possible. What was the what was the easiest part about working with a label that you didn't expect? Not having um, um, some of the relationships that I didn't really have to um, like the doors just kind of opened. Right. Um, I would say that. I would say. I would say. I would say. Oh, this you know this magazine wants to interview you, or oh, you know you've got you know we've got your we've got press in uh in russia for you you know we have a we have a great relationship and this hasn't materialized yet but we have great relationships with uh distributors in japan and they they love this type of sound and you know though getting in those doors was the best thing and the easiest thing because i didn't have to do anything those were already established um and then so you talked about a little bit about this but was the hardest part sort of not doing it all yourself or did you sort of actually enjoy that i'm an impatient person Mm. i hate waiting on people and when i want my my creativity is very spontaneous 
I'm not the guy who says, okay, we're going to go to the studio and we're going to work. I'm not that guy. Um, and ask, you can talk to Joe Cooper who uh, recorded me for this album. I recorded the entire album in an hour and a half. That sounds about right. Yeah. So it's literally him and I just running through, because I'd already had these records. Like I'd had them for months or whatever. Um, so Doc will tell you, I'll record something and I'll be like, yeah, I want to put this out tomorrow. I want to put this out <laughs> Saturday and it's Thursday night. Can you mix this real quick? And Doc will, you know, Doc will mix it and we'll put it out. That's just how my creativity works. With this project, I had to recognize that people have families. <laughs> I, I think, I think like I, I, because I've known Doc for so long, like sometimes I forget, well, he's got a wife who wants his time. He's got his own things going on. And like, I can't just pull on him for those things. So my normal circle, you know, we've got quiet John design who does all my artwork. He's doing a whole bunch of other stuff. So now I have to get a secondary, um, uh, uh, person who does all my artwork. So we got, you know, my man, Uriah, friend of the show. So he does some, some of my artwork that he can knock out really quick because his schedule allows him to versus, you know, my man Ian, who, who's part of, or who owns quiet giant, like he's got other stuff that he, he's taking care of. He's got his hand in 10 different pockets. So let's just get him for the big stuff. Um, for the label per se, it was again, recognizing this person has a family. This person is working on, I'm normally just like, Hey, send me beats. Right. And they don't, some, some of the producers work like that, but T. Wild and Jay Roden, like they wanted to craft things exclusively for the album. You know, we had a conversation. I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. We had a conversation. We had a couple of conversations. We were talking about different types of music and different albums and what, what was missing in the genre of Christian hip hop, because I knew conceptually I was going to be making a very Christian album. Um, and so what did I want it to feel like? Because I knew what I was going to say and having all those conversations, just I had to give them time to create, um, the pockets that they felt were necessary. Cause I mean, even though my name is on the album and my face is on the cover, like this is, this is theirs too. Right. So I, that, I had to learn how to, you know, fall back and just kind of let people do their thing. And that was, that was really hard for me, but I'm glad I did it because I'm super happy with how everything turned out. Okay. Um, I've, we've got some questions from, uh, some from folks on Twitter, but some of these I want to maybe save for the end. So do you want to start talking about track by track here? Yeah, let's go track by track. And then whatever we don't cover with the questions, uh, we can, we can answer those. Okay. So track one, revelation is revolutions. And even if I lose two, yeah, produced by me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like we said uh, earlier, this was originally the first half of this beat. Like I made this a while ago. Mm-hmm. Armand was Armand had a whole different song to it. Yeah, wanted to switch it up, and then yep. I fly out to Ohio for what was supposed to be the Bad Boy Show. Yeah. <laughs> Still not there. And what we worked on when I was there was. Let's see. Taylor came over and recorded his verse for Bodie's Corner. Yep. yep, yep. I recorded that. He did that in one take. I think you yep. can, if you listen to the very beginning and turn it up really loud, you can even hear us like in the background talking. Yep. Um, we did uh, Morning Run. Yes, we did. Where uh, I divided the sample up into different like sections on my my big Ableton push, and Armand chops Armand chops out what he wants the main the main uh, sample chop to be wakes up the next morning and I'd gotten up before him 
and I finished off the drums and whatever else. And we had a song. Mm -hmm. And the other thing we did was we worked on the second half of this, which is Even If I Lose Two. Mm -hmm. So you have Even If I Lose the song off of the mm -hmm. break. Yeah. Then you did the remix. Yeah. And now you have two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the album is called Even If I Lose. So like, yeah. clearly that title means a lot to you. Yes. Did you? Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. When you did that song, Even If I Lose, off of Praise Break, did you know you wanted that to be like a thing? No. When did you no. realize that? The remix. Okay. When the remix came out as good as it did and when it got the type of response um, that it got, um, I just kind of started thinking about what Even If I Lose means. Yeah. Um, and it, to me, it was so, it was so heavy, you know, it losses something that we all experience. Um, in various ways. And so, you know, for me and my belief system informs that losing is really winning, um, where it's, most people like are scared to, t you know, I don't want to take an L, I want to take, take an L. But, you know, I, th I can think of every single life lesson that I've learned. And a lot of them were based off of losses that I took, mm -hmm. uh, relationships that ended, uh, things that I wanted to go well and didn't. Um, you know, death, which is loss, um, separation, which is loss, um, just lots of, you know, lots of loss in my life in my 20s. And as I got into my 30s, I realized that I was better for um, experiencing my 20s in, in such a way. Now, going to school for social work and in psychology and sociology, it's a lot of trauma there. And within that trauma, you either have two choices, um, you know, I heard this from uh, my most recent girlfriend, hi Kim. She always says that um, victim, like being a victim is a choice. It's not a feeling. You can't feel like a victim. You can only be a victim. So I can either take, you know, how those situ what those situations did to me and I can take the posture of being defeated, which is what I did spend a, a decent chunk of time doing. Or I can say, okay, I'm not dead yet. You know, I'm not you know, I'm not incapacitated. I have the ability to overcome these things. What does that mean? Why is that so? You know, why did God allow me to go through all this stuff? You know, if we believe that everything happens for a reason, then what's the reason? And this, <clears throat> this album is finding that out or coming to a place where, you know what, I'll find out when I'm ready. When some of the things I still don't know and some of them I don't need to know. And so unpacking the, the idea of even if I lose was um, it was super important for me to um, understand it so that I could give it to other people. Because one thing about my music is that and we'll get into one of the songs on the album is like people are like going through it and have gone through it. Right. And so the conversations that I have with people are often like really hard things, really heavy things that people have just learned to deal with and either suppress or whatever. And so there has to be a reason why, you know, <laughs> my I, I just found a new mechanic and 20 minutes into him fixing my car, he's talking about, you know, some really deep things and some things, some things that recently happened in his life. Like, why are you telling me this stuff? Just fix my car. No, that's just that's my calling. That's one of the things I'm, I'm here to like share the weight with other people. Like that's just how my shoulders were built. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of give us to to that to foster um, those conversations and whatever ministry and healing and restoration, deliverance, whatever happens out of that. That was important for me to to uh, to express.
Okay. Anything else you want to say about this song? I love it. I love um, it too. I can't believe we've been sitting on this for 18 months. Man, it's so hard to – first off, shout out to Imperial um, – the the mix on this doc shut up <laughs> for mixing for mixing ninety percent of the album he did a phenomenal job um, getting you know even getting I remember we had the I had the idea like for the crowd and getting everybody who was in the studio so shout out to Joe shout out to Jonathan Baker whose album comes out today wrong um, shout out to my man Kenny shout out to my kids who were there like. You know, anytime I can share, and even my kid today, my son called me today and just congratulated me for putting out an album. And, you know, he's been running around the house singing Revelations Revolution for the last three weeks. And his mom just texts me and is like, what is this your son is singing? He said that y'all did a song together. Like, he's going to remember that forever. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that is super dope. I love the second verse. Here's why I love the second verse. Um, it's the only verse for the album that I wrote on the spot. Mm. Um, I knew I hate writing on the spot. I hate writing on the spot. I give me the beat. Let me sit on it. And when it's ready, when it comes, it'll come. I'm not the guy who's going to book studio time to do that. But because you were here, you were at my house and we only had but so much time. I knew that I had to write it and we were just sort of like bouncing ideas off of each other. And then that's when we came up with the, well, even if, even if, even if, even if, if we're coming with that, because I was like, Doc, you got to flip, like yeah. flip the sample and then like the transition, you did all that. Like, I really wish that there was a camera in the room. I wish I had my camera now because that to me was super special. And as much as I love Morning Run, yeah, um, this is just special to me because it's just something that just unpacked and it became a thing. And it's it, to me, it sets the tone for the album. It just starts off. Um, my albums traditionally, my projects like start off low. I kind of like what Drake does. How Drake will start off the first few tracks, just kind of, and then he'll turn. Right. I wanted to switch it up and start off with a punch to the face. And this is 100% a punch to the face. Let's talk about I Am The One. Yes. Produced by T. Wyler and J. Rudd. Yes. So, so right off the bat, this is not a sound that some of your fans were, are probably expecting, right? Bruh. This wasn't a sound that I was expecting. What was that? You got really you just started distorting. You were so excited. I'm sorry. I said this. This wasn't a sound that I was expecting mm. at all. Um, do you have a question, or can I just get into like how? I, mean, that... I was just going to say, were you worried about the reaction? Um, you know what? This album, this song, made me do 40 days. What? what how so? Because this was the first song that we did for the album, like with Elect. Right. So we had we had. Um, we might have had 723. I think we had 720. Yeah, we had 723 already. We might have um, had it, but I don't even think we knew it was for the album yet. I don't know. We'll talk about no, 723 when we get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. 723 wasn't going to make it on the album until, shoot, maybe a month before. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was last because that was just going to be a Lucy, but we'll get there. Um, so what happened was was we had a conference call. Jay Roden, T. Wyler, and, uh, and Jonathan Baker. We got on a conference call and... Um, I'm still going to do something with them where I'm going to give them uh, an opportunity to really talk about like their their role with these with these records. I'm, I'm going to find a way to do it, but we're going to do it. And um, so T. Wilder just kind of starts asking me questions like, so what genres of music do you like um, and what would you want your stuff to sound like? And I know me, somebody who performs a lot. Um, I know that a record like Revelation is Revolution, even if I lose two, like. I've performed it a couple times and it doesn't really go live. And I, excuse me, and I thought that it would. 
and it just kind of does it. And that may be because of the environments that I'm performing in. Like, they're just not rapidly rap like that. I'm sure if I did it at like like a, a backpack spot or some other spot that was more like in tune with hip hop, um, that record would go. Um, but with this, I wanted like what what genres of music make me uh, what genres make me move. So I said I want I like house, um, I like trap, I like Baltimore club music, um, I love R and B, and I'm not sitting around listening to Baltimore club music. <laughs> but this isn't the wire. Yeah, this isn't this isn't the wire, but like anytime I hear it, it makes me move. I like the way I like the I like the feel that it has. Similar to like when Wale first came out, he was using a lot of go go. Yeah. Um I wanted to pull on different styles. So J Ron and T Wilder, they go in the stash and a few days later, a week later, they come up with this concept, like this beat. So this is the first beat that I hear um from Elect for my album. My first response was absolutely not, <laughs> not because the beat is whack, but because it's like I heard some people say it sounds like a, a traditional Christian hip hop record. And I didn't want it to feel like I was trying to swing for the fences. But at the same time, I wanted to swing for the fences. I, I wanted to elect has relationships where they can get into doors that I otherwise couldn't. So why not try to create something that takes advantage of that? Um but I sat on this beat forever. It was intimidating because the tempo was weird. I mean, even like I had JB like some melodies. Like he started with the and he went to something else. But I heard that and I said, okay, I can start here. And then I just kind of went and I wrote the first verse. And if you notice, the first verse and the second verse are kind of Jesus walkish. So <laughs> Like, and what I mean by that is the first verse of Jesus walks has nothing to do with Jesus or walking, mm. but the second verse completely encapsulates that song. Um, but I remember being at work and at the time, the department that I was in was very, very strict. Um, it was pretty much like stay at your desk and work the whole time, which is weird because that's the complete antithesis of where I work at now. And it was, um, the verses came, you know, I'm the one who straight to the week was the things that you see. I mean, like it just... And I ran outside or no, I, I was I'm typing on the side at my desk. I didn't have a signal in my office. So I'm typing on my phone on the side and I'm just like the whole verse was written in about 15 minutes. I go outside. I record it on my phone. I'm like, this is perfect. And um, the last part of that song. So so the so the con, I'm sorry, let me finish this. So the, the concept of the second verse is from the perspective of God. And then the first verse is just me trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do with this beat? And it, it came out well. And I was like, all right, cool. We'll just we'll go with this. I don't like to overthink stuff again. So I went with that. Now, the last thing I'll say about this record is that I originally wanted friend of the show Tragic Hero on the bridge. And it just never panned out. Not because Tragic didn't want to do it. I know Tragic is working on his album, but it was one of those things like it just it just wasn't the right time. And I think I can do something collective versus, hey, get on this record. Um, and then I made the decision to not really have a whole lot of guests on this album, but we'll get into that later. So, um, so this is the single. Yeah, this is the first single. Yeah, this is the first single. Um, so this is what made me do 40 days because, because it was so different. I wanted to do something that if people were kind of weird and this was, and I was going to put this record out first, I was going to put this out before the album. Yeah. We talked about that. 
Yes. And then we were like, well, if I if I put this out, then um, if I put this out, then what are people's responses going to be? And I was a little nervous about that. So I was just like, well, let me let's do something a little more traditional because I knew where I was going conceptually with this album. It was going to be so different. I wanted to ease people in. Well, so yeah, had, this that's why you had to start with the boom bap just to make sure everybody knew it's OK. It's Armand. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> if I am the one is track one, it's like, OK. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, um, it's funny, like, you know, listening to, like, rough versions of songs and then listening to, to um, like, the master version. Like, when you sent me the, like, master version of this and play in the car, I'm like, all right, I get it. <laughs> what does that mean? No, like, I think I think with beats, uh, I think with, like, quote-unquote, like, trap beats, like, the difference between, like, hearing, like, even a really good, like, regular mix from a producer versus like are really cleanly mastered. Like, I don't know. It just matters. Right. And maybe it's right. because like, you know, like if I do something super boom bapish, like, you know, the first half of revelation is revolution, you know, yes, it sounds very mob deepish, really. You know, it's kind of goes in that direction. Well, it's not, I mean, look like they had professionals doing that, but it's not like that's, it's not like 95, like, like dusty New York hip hop is known for like particular sonic clarity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now like I am the one that's a dope record. Yeah. Yeah, and, you, and you did that live at the Even If I Lose Experience, right? Mm-hmm. That went off. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, no, you did, it did, it did, it did, it did. <laughs> it did, it did, it did. That feels I like forever ago. It does feel like forever ago. I mean, that was... Uh, September? September? Yeah. Um, how uh, Has the response from fans, has anybody gotten back to you with this sort of like, I don't know about I Am The One. Um, friends have, but mm. not, not, uh, anybody who has talked to me about the album. Not, none of my fans. No. Okay. But fr- friends have kind of been like, ah, but yeah. some have been like, I, and some, but some of my friends have been like, I love it. So, okay. All right. I'm cool with that. I'll take, take that. Well, cool. I mean, you know, I just look forward to, I'm the one being played, uh, you know, during, uh, uh basketball playoffs. Yes. Or- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get me on get me on ESPN. Get me in. Get me in the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Play play with something like something. Yes, yes. Anything else you want to say about I'm the one? Uh, nah, I've said plenty. Let's talk about God. Yes. Lowercase G trademark. Yep. What happened there? It was just a mix up with uh with with like distributor or whatever. No, the well, basically, um, some distributors. If you look on, um, if you look. On uh, I think on all of them, they just they just uppercase everything. Interesting. So we just we knew that there was a good chance that that just wasn't going to happen. So um, so whatever. So God produced by J Road. Mm-hmm. Um, how early or like what part of the creative process did this song come about? Like, was it early on, sort of in the mix? Uh, I know that Wala was giving me. Wally gave me about five or six beats and Roden hadn't really given me anything. And then Roden gave me four beats in my email. Um, one of them became sweeter. One of them was how much more. One of them was God. And one of them was so help me God. So it's a very productive email. Right. Exactly. And then maybe there's like one or two that ended up not making it. But, um, you know, if Roden tell you the story, like he was trying to work with me since since Kairos, and you know, I would tell him like I would try to give him suggestions and say, hey, you know, try this, do this. This isn't different, and 
he sent me an email and he like cussed me out. <laughs> and so, but I knew, and then later on, I started hearing him with other people. He did stuff with Taylor and I'm like, okay, he's ready now. So when I signed with Elect, he was the first person that I, I, I contacted and I was like, yo, um, it's, it's like, it's time, like, let's do something. And so we, we have been kind of hashing out stuff ever since. Um, I don't remember how far process God was, but I do know that it was around the time that I had done Sweeter and around the time that I had done So Help Me God. So I guess maybe in the middle. I don't know. Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about the refrain that you're using often on the song, which is, it's so easy to speak the truth in a room where everybody believes the same thing as you? Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, I think that if you are um, in any context, if you're at a Nipsey Hustle concert, you are not going to go into that concert and say Nipsey Hustle is trash because you're probably going to get like beat up or something. Right. You're going to say Nipsey. You're going to say Nipsey Hustle is great. Um, if you are a gun supporter, if you're at an NRA meeting, you're probably not going to go and say guns are terrible. We need gun reform. Guns kill people. Guns are bad because people are going to feel away. And um, you may not want to deal with those repercussions. And I think a lot of people don't like conflict. Um, they don't like confrontation. And so it's very easy for someone to, all of those things that I said on that record are, first of all, that, that phrase comes from Chevy and Pilot Music too. So that's 2012 that I first said that. And if you notice, a lot of themes from this album were taken from older songs. Um, Revelations, Revolution is from Genesis, Revelation, even if I lose to us, even if I lose, um, you know, and then God, this is from that. So I feel like with anything that you feel strongly about, it is much easier to go into a place with people who are like-minded and say the things that you would say. So everything, I've, everything that I said on this record, on that record, I've heard before in a church, in conversations with other Christians, but then, you know, I'll go out and people won't say those things publicly, but these are public matters and these things that are affecting you and you're not speaking up about them. And that's completely up to you. That's your decision. Like that's, that's whatever that is. And so I use that within that context to say, you know, the things that I'm saying are very controversial and I've performed this at venues that weren't necessarily Christian based events. And some people felt away and some people were glad that I said them. Um, you just kind of have to, this is really me drawing like my a line in the sand because because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. Because, like, I think that with increasing images in, increasing, like, religious images in our culture, I think that what I, what I see is, like, discernment really doesn't exist like that for a lot of Christians. So either they're on a witch hunt or they're just completely oblivious. And I think that because of that, people are able to sort of take advantage of, of things that, I consider to be holy and sacred and that my God considers to be holy and sacred. And they're just kind of using them for their own personal gain. And somebody has to stand up and say, no, nah, not really. You know, Christianity isn't this European thing that was forced on slave. Like that's not, that's, that is, that's not true. Um, it's not the white man's religion. Like it's just so many things that we've been taught wrong because of our church experiences. Um, and it's like, challenge those things, man. Sometimes you're experiencing, this is the theme of even if I lose, 
Just because it's fact doesn't make it the truth. Like, sure, that happened. Sure, somebody said something. Sure, somebody took this thing that was supposed to represent purity and vulnerability and trust, and they manipulated it. Sure, that it's true, but that doesn't mean that that's law. It doesn't mean that that's fact. And so I just felt inclined to speak on the other side, to draw a line in the sand and say, yeah, I know you're used to this, but what if this is wrong? And what if there is something different than what you've experienced, what you've seen, and even what you believe to be true, what you've read? You know what I'm saying? So that that was the premise of of God and why I use that particular uh, phrasing on, on the record for the bridge. Well, you answered every other question I had about the song. Um, anything else you want to say about God? Um, this is also for Rodin. This is also the only record that he fully used. Uh, um, everything else kind of had some other hands on it, but what, I knew that. What about Sweeter? Oh yeah, 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 Sweeter too. My bad, my bad, my bad. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, with this, with with God and just the production on it, um, he. This was the first time that I crafted out something where I said I don't want the beat to be so mind blowing that it gets in the way of what I said. So I picked that beat because of the drums. And that that melody is very sparse, 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 is that it? Sparse, sparse, sparse. That melody is very sparse and very minimal. And it will allow me to say what I'm going to say and it not get in the way. And that was new for me to do because I usually just say this beat is crazy. I need this versus this beat fits what I want to say conceptually. And I'm, I'm happy with how it, uh, it turned out. Okay, let's talk about track four, Jesus. Yes. Is this SB? Is that how you pronounce this? Yes. Who is SB? Because this beat is nice. SB is another producer from Elect. SB, man, SB sent me, he sent me probably about four beats, like at the end of Even If I Lose. I'm like, yo, he's, yeah, he's a problem. He's from Michigan, so I will be trying to link up with him uh, fairly soon. Very quiet, very reserved guy. And this was really an 11th hour track where I've had Jesus since 2014. Mm. Um, it was over uh, another beat that I got off of like a like an OVO beat tape or something like that. <laughs> and so I did over that and I always loved that version, but I knew that it was time. That was around the time that I did The Dreamer 2 and that was around the time that I did Power. And so I'm still sitting on Power in The Dreamer 2. I know. But I knew it was time for Jesus to come out. So... Um, I didn't say I want this type of beat. I just told, I just shot him an email and said, Hey, um, you know, I just want to, I want to get something. I'm looking for something. I'm not sure what I'm looking for until I got it. And when I first heard the beat, I was like, yeah, this is okay. And then I went away for, from it for a couple of weeks. I came back to it and I was like, yo, this is perfect. So, so you're getting pretty, I would say pointed with some of the lyrics on the song, right? Yes. So you got the line, the church wants you famous and popular. That's impossible. Yes. What do you mean by that? Um, I think that the church has done a lot of, um, they do a lot of smoke and mirrors and a lot. I don't want to say the church because there's no such thing as the church. Like there's different churches everywhere. So there's not a central figurehead of the church unless it's Jesus. But I'll say that a lot of Christianity that I see, Western Christianity, is a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's a lot, of, you know, hey, Let's um, let's put a smoke machine and let's put lights in here and let's almost let it not feel like church. 
let's remove all of the the uh, aesthetics that maybe make church church or let's let's only make church 20 we'll make the whole service an hour because we know we you got to get out of here you know we don't want to take too much of your time we know that that's important and so you know we're just going to do what we think that you want us to do so that you will come to what we're doing but and that's aesthetic aside and that's preference and all that but i feel like in that um jesus was never popular like jesus had his uh he had his fans but you know he started talking about drinking blood and eating flesh and they they got scared and left you know um he was always counterculture he was always going against what the pharisees and the sadducees who were who were more um um very by the books and went according to the law. And he was challenging that of the day. And I think if we look at what's going on with the day, there's a lot of good things, but some of those things aren't necessarily God. And I think the church um, just wants Jesus to be popular. And I don't think that that's ever going to happen. I just don't. He'll never, what he stands for will just never coincide with um, what our culture deems is cool and acceptable, but it's just not going to happen. So you, 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 you choose to follow Christ. You're gonna, you're gonna look crazy because you're gonna have to say no to some things that other people would say. Why are you saying no to that? So, and I also think that church has a obsession with celebrity culture. Mm, yeah, you like, and that's when I said that in God. Um, you know, why are we, why are we obsessed with celebrities finding Jesus? Why aren't we as enthused for our neighbors across the street? You look at somewhere like TBN and like somebody would just say Jesus on a record and they'll just give him a platform. That That's what I, when I talked about this before. This is what I feel like what happened to Mace. Like Mace, I feel like Mace's conversion was a real thing. Like we can talk about stories and he had to move to Atlanta and all that. I feel like he had a real encounter with God. And I feel like instead of someone sitting him down and discipling him and pretty much like helping him figure out this new life, which is something that every believer needs. They were like, oh, snap, we got Mace. Put him on stage. And what does Mace know how to do? Perform. And and at the time, Creflo was part of a, Creflo Dollar was, was really big on um, the prosperity gospel, which is like, God wants you to be rich. Man, don't, so, don't get me started on the prosperity gospel. Yeah. So, so Mace is already like, okay, I already came from money in the world. Oh, I can get it from the church too? Bet. And so, you know, we're not talking about prosperity from a spiritual standpoint where, where the Bible says that God wants us to prosper as our soul prospers. He just wants us to be whole and complete. That has nothing to do with money. Though the Bible says money things and the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of it is like money has a purpose, but it's not the end all be all. But you get somebody who is used to money into another space where they can make money. I mean, wh- what are you going to do when you... You know, what do you what do you do when you put a uh, I'm trying to think of a what do you do when you put a basketball player in the gym? They're going to hoop because that's just what they that's just what they're, they're going to do. So I, I I feel like because we are like, yo, so and so said this. And, you know, it was always my beef with 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 Kanye during the Pablo and and Chance and, and all these rappers who are using these religious things. And it's like, it's not that I don't believe them. I just want them to, you know, like, where, like, where's your accountability at? Where, who, who's leading you? Who are you sitting under? Who are you serving with? Like, these are important things that every believer should have, not just celebrities. But we get so, because we want Jesus to be famous and we want Christians to be on the same platform as 
the MTV awards and the Grammys and all that other stuff. Like we just want them to go up there. But maybe that's not maybe that's not it. Maybe it's not it. And maybe you can still be as effective and as fruitful as you're supposed to be if you're just local. But local's never good enough because in our culture, up until now, more recently, local has never been good enough. So I think it's those two things that play a huge factor in that. You got another line in the song where you start off this this refer this sort of part of the the, the verse with you know if you go if you you know if you're scared go to church and then you you talk about backbiters Ned Flanders types man to man lovers. Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that? Um, I think they say okay, so the stereotypical view of a Christian is either Ned Flanders, okay. so cor- so corny, um, you know, yeah, just very corny and by the book, right, right. Um, and they were scared to go to church. It's only for, for grandmothers. My grandmama went to church. My grandmama's praying for me. Whatever, whatever. Um, backbiters. So you know, Christians are known to be, um, 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 um what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they'll say one thing in your face and do something very right. sneaky, two very faced. manipulative. Yeah, yeah. two faced. There we go. And then man to man lovers, you, you, your. If somebody is um, in a choir, then they're automatically gay. Or um, if they are a man in church, they are gay. So that is that's what makes up the church. Like there's only these types of stereotypes that fit within this context. It wasn't saying that gay people can't go to church. It was saying that these are just type. These are the different types of what people believe Christians to be. And that's not necessarily true. It's not that it's wrong, but there's more than that. Right. 